are, we are continuing our series through the book of Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 11. And we have uh, been going all the way through Daniel. There are 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. And so this next week is the last chapter that we'll be covering. And so we'll be looking at Daniel chapter 11. We'll be in verse number 36 in just a few moments. Now, whenever I was, whenever I was younger, um, you know, one of the things that you always did is that you would go you would go to the movies. And this is back, you know, like in the, you know, back in the day. When you'd go in, you'd get like popcorn and Coke. And, you know, after it was all said and done, you'd spend a total of about like eight, nine dollars for a movie. Now, we, of course, we all know movies cost like $75 to go to these days. And what, but one of the things that you do, you'd go to the movies and Pretty much any time I went on a date, I was not very imaginative, but 90% of the time when I went on a date, you could, I could guarantee you I was going to a movie. That's the way that you did things. But when you go to the movie, they have these things, you know, they have previews. And so that was pretty much the way that I found out about what movies were coming up next. And I remember, now I'm going to share with you all just some of the, you know, some of my, uh, you know, I guess how intellectual I am. About 20 years ago, I remember sitting in a movie theater and there was a preview of a movie that came out, uh, that was coming out, and it had a guy named Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels in it. Uh, it was Dumb and Dumber, and I saw that preview, and, I, and y'all, I'm going to do that, this, you're thinking, this is so spiritual, but you know, it's, I, I'm going to do this anyway. So what's, what's happening is Jim Carrey, you might remember the, the preview, he's in a limousine, and he drives up, y'all remember this part? And then he sees a, like an attractive lady, and so he takes his hat off, goes to the back seat, rolls down the window and sticks his head out and he asks her where she's from. Any of y'all remember where she was from? She was from Austria. Of course, what does he say? He goes, ah, put another shrimp on the bobby. Now, I saw that and I said, oh my gosh, I've got to, Emily's got to see this movie. And uh, so we actually went to see the movie. Hank was, uh, Hank, we took, we took Hank to that movie. He was in a what do you call those things? A baby carrier. And so we sat there and Emily laughed so hard. It was just absolutely crazy. Uh, anyway, so I'm telling you all that for really no good reason other than the preview part. And so I tell you that because today in Daniel chapter, chapter 11, what we are getting is we are getting a preview of what's to come. And so when I saw this, I thought, I can work in Dumb and Dumber here. So anyway, but we're getting a preview of what's to come. Now, what is the preview that Daniel is talking about? He's talking about a preview of what the last days are going to be like. And in this preview that he gives us, he lets us know that there is going to be one who's going to come with power. And the one he's speaking of is not a great guy. It is what we have referred to, what the scripture refers to as the Antichrist. You know, one who is against the things of God. And he's going to come according to scripture, and he's going to gain power. Now, a question that people have been asking forever is, you know, who is this guy? You know, what exactly is it that he's going to do? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us who this guy is. It just lets us know that he will be coming in the last days. And we're told in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, it says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any, in any way, for that day will not come unless an apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man of lawlessness is the one who's against the law, the things of God. That's the Antichrist. It says he is the son of destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God 
or object of worship so that he sits in God's sanctuary publicizing that he himself is God. Okay, so what we're seeing today as we look in Daniel chapter 11 is Daniel is giving a preview of what's going to come. And he gets the preview because God is the one who shares with him a vision of the days ahead. Now, I know people have been asking this since I can remember. And that is, are, are we living in the end of times? Are we living in the last days? Have any of you ever, have y'all ever heard that asked before? You wondered that yourself? I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just an absolutely normal question a lot of us have. Can any of us know? Now, let me share, I'm going to give you a definitive answer on this. I have no idea. Are we living in the last days? I don't know. Could we be living in the last days? Possibly. I'm, I'm not sure. So what is it that we can know? Well, what we can know is what Daniel shares with us. And he gives us a preview of the Antichrist. And I know that's not typically sermon material, but it's just we're going through the book of Daniel, and this is what Daniel talks about today. And so we'll look in Daniel chapter 11. We'll be looking in verse number 36. And in this section of Scripture, there's, there's really a lot of... For people, scholars have debated a lot about what exactly does this text mean. Uh, they've de debated about the last days. They've debated about the Antichrist, all these things. But it's interesting to me that with all the debates that we have, listen to what Jesus had to say about end times. He said in Matthew 24, 36, Now concerning that day... And our, he says, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father only. So if you ever hear somebody say, I can tell you when the last days are coming, you can say, you know, you don't. Because Jesus said, no one knows except for God himself. So then what is the point of us being here today? What's the lesson for us today? Well, Daniel does point out to us some things that we can know about the one who's going to be called the Antichrist. And I just really think that whenever I look at the environment that we're in today, whenever I see the stuff that's happening in our world, I'm becoming more and more interested in, wait, what does the future hold? You know, is, uh, is the world setting up for what the Bible has to say? And I really believe, I, I believe the answer is yes. And so today what we're going to do is we're just simply going to take a look at some things that help us identify the Antichrist. Okay, so what, what, what can we know about the Antichrist? Very, for, very first thing is pretty simple. It seems pretty general, but it'll make sense as we go along. First of all, the Antichrist, is going to, he will be powerful. He's going to be a person who carries weight with him, somebody who carries strength with himself. In verse number 36, here's what it says. It says, then the king, speaking of the Antichrist, will do whatever he wants. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and he will say outrageous things against the God of gods. He'll be successful until the time of wrath is completed because what has been decreed will be accomplished. He will not show regard for the gods of his fathers, the God longed for by women or for any other God, because he will magnify himself above all. So what you can take from this is the Antichrist, he's, a, he's an attention hog. You know, he wants everybody to pay attention to him, to bow before him. Verse 38 says, instead he will honor a God of fortresses, a God his fathers didn't know, with gold, silver, precious stones, and riches. He will deal with the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign God, to be the devil. 
He will greatly honor those who acknowledge him, and he will make them rulers over many, and distributing land as a reward. Okay, what can we make from all this? Here's what we can make from this. The Antichrist is not going to be some little obscure guy that just a few people know about. This guy's going to, he's going to come onto the scene. He's going to be recognized by the world. In other words, he will be a world leader. There will not be any authority over him. He's going to be the guy who carries authority in our world. Now, I know you can sit there and look at that and go, man, there's absolutely no way. But our text says he will be able to do whatever he wants. If you look in verse 36, it says he will be successful. And that word successful, it means he will prosper. I mean, just in everything that he does, it's like he's got the Midas touch. I mean, whatever he touches works. Whatever he decides to do, it's going to happen. And he's going to be very attractive. And I think the feature about him that will be most attractive is he will be a man who will seemingly bring peace. Uh, We're told back in Daniel 9.27 that when he comes to power, one of the ways that he's going to do this is he's going to make a covenant of peace with many. And it's in reference... Uh, it's in reference to the Jewish-Arab conflict. Now, I don't know how many of y'all watch the news, but that is something that has been going on forever. And our text says the Antichrist, he's going he's to carry so much power with him that he's going to be a man who's going to come along with a solution to the problem. Now, I, I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine that because, I mean, you look today, what's, what's going on, and you realize that as, as they're at war right now, what's happening is you have a group of people who don't even recognize the existence of Israel. They won't recognize them, and yet somehow the state of Israel is supposed to negotiate with them. And I'm thinking, well, how is that even possible? I mean, this is a group, Hamas and, and other Arab nations, they have in their charters that they will drive the Jews into the sea. They won't even recognize them. How are they supposed to deal with people like that? Well, the Bible says there's going to come along a guy who's going to have an answer to that problem. Do you think if somebody comes along and has an answer to that problem that he's going to win the Nobel Peace Prize? No doubt. This guy, he's he's going to be somebody who is special. But it'll be so peaceful-seeming during the rise of this guy's powers. He brings peace to this area that's on the news all the time right now. The Bible lets us know that there will be a new temple that will be built. Now, there's only one place you're going to build the temple. It's where the temple used to stand, you know, on Temple Mount. Of course, I told you, I guess, last week or maybe the week before, y'all know in, in Jerusalem when you see the gold dome there, that is a mosque now. That's where, that area is where the temple used to stand. The Bible lets us know there is coming a day when another temple will be built. When the Antichrist comes into power, he is going to allow the Jews to rebuild the temple. Now, I know this is, y'all, this is so, um, this, is little, this is extraneous stuff. It's, this is free. When Emily and I went to Israel a number of years ago for the first time, we went over there, they had, there is a Jewish group of people that are already um, making the utensils, and they've already made the robes for the priest for the new temple, because they really, they believe it's going to happen. Now, isn't that, I mean, that kind of, whenever we walked in there, I was like, this is, this is crazy, this is strange. And I look at the Bible here, what does the Bible say? It says there will be another temple that will be rebuilt. Uh, we are told that the sacrificial system will be put back into place again. Now, that's, that's hard to fathom. But Daniel prophesied that is the kind of power the Antichrist will have. So it's with that background 
that knowledge, okay, how could anybody follow the Antichrist? Because he's, he's going to be attractive. He's going to be a guy that's, that's bringing peace, that has a message of peace. But what we will discover is during his reign, and we know that his reign will be for seven years, according to the text that we've already read earlier in the series, that in the middle of his reign, he's going to show himself for who he really is. And what he's going to do is he's going to begin to move people to the place where they are going to begin to pay homage to him. He's going to begin to interfere in people's worship practices and say, you can't worship those other gods, I want you to worship me. Now, why is that? It's because he's, going to, he's like people. People always want to be number one. Now, I know y'all are a bunch of, you know, you say, well, don't, that's not me. Y'all, at the, at the basic level of every person, we want the world to revolve around us. That's me. I've told y'all before, when I'm driving, the world needs to take note that I have the right-of-way every time. And that's just how we all are in every area of life. We want to be God. And so does this man that will come into power. And people will be looking to him because he will carry with him power. But we're the same way. It's been true since the beginning of time. Remember, when Adam and Eve were made, God made Adam and Eve, and he looked at them, he said, it is, it is very good. And he said, I've created the Garden of Eden, and anything here is for you, but there's one tree here I don't want you to touch or mess with. And then the devil comes along, and he tempts them. And he comes to Eve, and here's what he says. He says, God knows that when you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. When she got that phrase, you will be like God, she's like, well, I want, I want to be like God. I know God said don't eat of this, but God's holding out on me. I want to be like him. So what does she do? She takes the fruit, and she eats it. And, of course, we know Adam's right there next to her, and he's like, hey, let me have a bite, too. And so they both defy God because they want to be like God. Y'all, we are the exact same way. And there's going to be a day when the Antichrist is going to be like that. He will make a power play to overthrow the standard of God with his own standard so that he can be in charge and be free of judgment. G.K. Chesterton uh, once said this. He said, it's often supposed that when people stop believing in God, they will believe in nothing. He said, ah, oh, alas, it's worse than that. When they stop believing in God, they will believe in anything. Guys, when our, when our standard of trust, when our standard of right and wrong is based on what I want, what I think revolves around me, let me tell you something, it is warped. You know why? Because I'm warped. Because I'm a messed up person. I am not consistent, and neither are you. But God's word stands for all time. Now let me try to give you an example. You know, if, if you go after your own standards based off what you believe is right and wrong according to what you want and what I want, your life's never going to be level. Uh, the very first time we went to Haiti, we were building bunk beds. And uh, it was me and some guys from another church, and then we had some ladies from our church. And I'm building stuff. Y'all, I, I don't know how to build anything. And so I'm trying to make everything right, and so I finally build this bunk bed. I'm scared. I'm like, man, I hope we leave before these kids actually sleep in this thing. And so we build this bunk bed, and I'm trying to fit it into the, uh, next to the wall into the corner, and I cannot get it in there, into the corner. It's not flush, and I'm getting ticked off. 
And I know I'm not, I can't do anything right. And so I've got this angle and I'm sticking it up there. And Bill, who's in charge of the ministry down in Haiti, he comes over to me and he's laughing at me because I'm really angry. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm trying to jam it into the corner and it's not working. And Bill goes, hey, he goes, man, it's not you. He said, they, this house is not square. The walls were, so you, we could put a marble on the floor and it would roll. And so after I felt a whole lot of relief, I was like, well, obviously the guy who built this house was me, but the house was not square. He said, what they do, he said, when they go there, he said, they build according to feel. He said, it looks good to them, you know, it looks right, but when you put a standard up against it, man, it is woefully short of the standard, and the result of that is nothing is level. When your standard in life is you, you're just like that house. Things will not fit Things will not be right. You will be off. And so that's why we need to understand that there will be one who will come. He is a deceiver. But he's going to be powerful. But when people follow him, their lives will not be level. And so God wants to be honest with us. He said he's going to be powerful. He said, I want you to know this as well. This is something else we can know about the Antichrist. He will rule. That's not going to be some guy that's just going to be in charge of some little section of the world. Y'all, he will rule. He will have power in this world. Verse number 40 says, At the time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle, but the king of the north will storm against him with chariots, horsemen, and many ships. So people are starting to see that the Antichrist is coming into power, so people are going to rebel against him. And they come to war against him. And it says he'll invade countries and sweep through them like a flood. He will also invade the beautiful land, that's Israel, and many will fall, but these will escape from his power. Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of the Ammonites. And he will extend his power against the countries. And not even the land of Egypt will escape. And he'll get control over the hidden treasures of gold and silver and over all the riches of Egypt. And the Libyans and Cushites will also be in submission. But reports from the east and the north will terrify him. And he will go out with great fury and destro to destroy and annihilate many. You know, people get fooled all the time. We get tricked all the time. I, I, I read a story, I love history, that there's a story about the, uh, the Battle of the Bulge. And during the Battle of the Bulge, if you've ever seen the movie about it, uh, the German soldiers put on allied uniforms and they went across the lines and they began to change the signs. And they would redirect them, point them in the opposite direction. They put up new signs. And the goal was that to get the guys, the allied soldiers, to go in the wrong directions. It actually worked until somebody discovered it. And if, it, if they'd continued to follow on that path, it's a good chance we could have ended up being in serious trouble during the Battle of the Bulge. Well, in a similar sense, this is exactly what the devil wants to do with people. He wants to put up signs that misdirect us and that will lead us away from the truth. Now, he puts on a disguise so that it looks good, but he's deceiving uh, we're told this, we're told in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14, it says Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, who, whose end will be according to their deeds. Now, the devil, is, he takes the same tack as the German soldiers did. He'll change signs on people, causing confusion and death. He will tell us that which is right, he'll tell us it's wrong. He'll say those things in life that you have always called wrong, then he's going to tell us, hey, those things are actually right. I look in our world today, you know, that is happening now. Our standards have totally changed, and the devil is a deceiver. 
And he's going to deceive us in a way where it looks good. I mean, the Antichrist is not going to walk around wearing a sign or a hat that says, I am the Antichrist. It's not going to happen. He, he's going to look good to people. And he's going to want people to follow after him so that we will be moved to a place of destruction instead of a place of holiness and righteousness. Now, he's going to get our attention. When you create peace between the, the Arabs and the Jews, it's somebody you're going to want to pay attention to. But then he's going to reveal who he really is. We're told in the middle of his seven-year reign, this is from Daniel chapter 9, that in the middle of it, he begins to blaspheme God. Verse number 36, we see he blasphemes God. The book of 2 Thessalonians gives us a picture of this as we're told that he will go into the temple that's been set up for God and he's going to defile it. What he's going to do is he's going to put a statue of himself up in that, in that temple and tell everybody, you now worship me. We're told that in 2 Thessalonians it says he sits in God's sanctuary, publicizing that he himself is God. What's it want? What does he want? It's simple. Power. He wants people to bow before him. He wants the world to follow him. You know, I used to think, whenever I was younger, I thought, I had read this, and I was like, you know, I, that's, that's so far away. There's no way that we could ever fall under the sway of one man in this world. And guys, I look at you know, the technological advances that we have now. It is more possible now than ever before. I, I'm always amazed whenever I see that there's a tsunami that happens in Japan, and it affects Wall Street. You know, I'm, I'm amazed whenever I can actually get on my phone and I can call somebody around the world, across the world, and they can pick up their phone and within seconds we are communicating with each other. So this idea, and the Bible points out that there is going to be a day when we will fall under one ruler. I look at today and I think, man, that is not too far-fetched anymore. And every indication in the Bible is that there will be one who will rule. And I believe that we are headed to that day. Now, let me just put verses 40 through 44 in a nutshell. The Antichrist is going to take charge. He will be victorious over other armies that come against him. He will get ultimate power, and God's going to let it happen. And it's going to look like God loses. And I think that some of us, were in a place where we feel like we are on the short end of the stick as believers. I mean, do you realize that there is a genocide that is taking place against Christians right now? It's happening in Iraq, where women and children today are being beheaded and killed because of their faith. What's the natural response? God, what is going on? It looks like God is defeated. There's going to be a day whenever the temple that's been set up to worship God, there's going to be somebody in there who's saying, don't worship God, worship me. I have power. And so Daniel's pointing out to us a preview of what's to come, what's coming. There's going to be one who's going to be powerful. There's going to be one who's going to come, who's going to rule. And he's, he's evil. But the last thing I want you to see is this, and this is the good news. There's coming a day when he will be defeated. He's going to lose. Last, last verse, verse 45. He will pitch his royal tents between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain, but he will meet his end with no one to help him. Now, there's coming a day when the Antichrist, he's going to set up his headquarters in between the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. The, the city that's in between the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea is Jerusalem. That's where he's going to set up his rule. And as he sets up his headquarters there, we are told that eventually he's going to lead a battle 
a battle that's going to come. It will be the final battle that many of you are familiar with. It takes place in the Valley of Megiddo. Um, I've had the opportunity to be there with, with Emily and my kids on, a, on quite a few occasions. Y'all, this is huge. Now, it's farmland today, but there's, it's a mountain valley. And so mountains on each side, this huge valley, Napoleon, Wellington, they all said it is the greatest battlefield in the world. And the Bible says the very last battle will take place in the Valley of Megiddo, also known as Armageddon. Now, what's going to happen at Armageddon? You know, in my mind, I've always thought it's going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight. You know, we've all heard about it. Some of y'all seen the Bruce Willis movie. And so you see, you see Armageddon, you think, man, it's just going to be fiery and crazy. But, you know, it's really interesting what the Bible says about Armageddon. Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, and when the lawless one will be revealed, the lawless one is, of course, it's the Antichrist, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the, it says, with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Now think about that. Armies from all over the world are gathering together. They're going to come into the plain of Armageddon, which is humongous. Huge armies that have massive weapons that will be able to destroy the world hundreds of times over. And you know, the Bible lets us know that there's coming a day when Jesus is coming again. Now, I know that it's, so, it's easy to talk about that, and I've grown up in the church, so it's easy to talk about it. But you think about it, and you're like, man, this is like a spaceship story. Jesus is coming again. Yes. And when he comes, the Antichrist is going to stand against him. And he'll stand against him in pride and arrogance. And you know what Jesus is going to do? This is what blows me away. He's going to open his mouth and speak a word. And it's over. It's not going to be some like big you know, knockout, drag-out fight. Jesus is going to show up and say, mistake. And he opens his mouth, and before the battle begins, it is over. And those people will have nowhere to run or hide. Revelation, the book of Revelation, which is kind of a hard book to read, but it gives us a picture of what's going to happen. Revelation 19 says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. So Jesus, picture of Jesus. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And verses 19 and 20 say, Then I saw the beast... And the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse of the army. So it's Antichrist, the devil, coming up against Jesus. But the beast was captured. And with him the false prophet who performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. And look what happens to him. It says, the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Okay, here's the message. The message is clear. You can fight God if you want to. But God will win. You can defy God. You and I can defy God if we want to, but our arms are not long enough to box God. If you want to be a winner, you have to be on God's side. You have to follow Jesus. Now you say, okay, then, then what does all this mean for us? Here's a few basic things, and then we'll close. For starters, y'all, we need to brace ourselves and get ready. We need to get ready. I know that, you know, it's, we say that we are the smartest people that have ever lived. You know, we're smarter than it. We have more technology, more advances than ever before. But the moral compass is pointing down. It ain't good. There needs to be a massive adjustment. 
So we need to brace ourselves. We need to be alert. We need to be ready. The last days will be a time of confusion, so we don't need to get sucked in by the spirit of the Antichrist. What, now, what is that? Y'all, whenever we begin to say the things that are right or wrong and the things that are wrong or right, that comes from the Bible. And the Bible says when we begin to move in that direction, you are moving to the last days. We need to understand that. We need to be bold. For those of you who are Christians, this is not a time for compromise. I'm not saying be a jerk. I'm just saying hold on to your faith. There are people all over the world right now who are undergoing persecution because of their faith. I believe this, and this not to be an alarmist, it will come to America. You cannot, the days of us being believers and it not meaning much, those days are coming to an end. It will cost to follow Jesus. And we need to understand that and be ready. Now that's bad news sounding stuff right there. But I want to encourage you also finally to be hopeful. Be hopeful for this. God wins. Very simply, he wins. You see, the, the world is desperate for answers, and we have the answer. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus who changes lives. It's only Jesus who brings restoration. It's only Jesus who offers eternal life to those who follow him. Now, my focus, and I don't want your focus to be on the Antichrist. Oh, when's he coming? I want your focus to be on the return of Jesus so that you're ready for when he comes back. And that's the big question today as we close. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus? Are we living in the last days? I don't know. Now, I know that humanly speaking, we all have a shelf life. Y'all notice that? You live and then you die. So one way or the other, the last days, they are very close. And you're going to stand before God. And the question is, are you are you ready? Well, how do I get ready? You place your life and your hope in Jesus. And say, so, you know what? I need you. You're my only hope. It is finished. It is done. To the world's salvation.